building spirituality, family, health, and business. This is The Giant Builders with Lois Wyant. All right, good day, Giant Builders. I have Fran Garten with me here today. Hi, Fran, how are you? I'm fantastic, how are you? I'm doing great. It's a little hot here right now, but I'm doing pretty good. Tell us a little bit about your story. Um, <laughs> there's so much to tell. I always find that question interesting because there's so many pieces. Um, I was an adult educator for 16 years, and I really loved doing that. But I ended up having lots of stress. There's lots of decisions that are made, things you need to do that you don't really have control over that come from top down. So I kept getting more and more stressed. And then what ended up happening was I ended up in bed with a migraine and with vision loss for four months. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah, all because of stress. So after that, I really started to look at my life and to make some changes um, to be more mindful and to focus on reducing stress. And um, I then ended up getting diagnosed with fibromyalgia. So that was about 10 years ago. And I, before my diagnosis, though, I went through probably, I'm going to say a good two years of time where I just had massive pain and it was unexplained and they didn't know what was going on. So it was very frustrating and, and scary and, you know, because it's, it's really, there's no answers. So was getting it all the, over your body or certain areas, the pain? Um, the pain was all over my body, actually. Okay. The, the worst was through my arms and my legs and feet and hands. It felt like bolts of electricity. Ooh. That's what it felt like, shooting through. So it would wake me up at night like I couldn't sleep. It was really, really, it was a really tough couple of years until I got the diagnosis. And then, of course, you know, in our typical traditional medical world we're given medication to help which was fine and it worked fine for a while until it didn't really do anything and so then I kind of sought out different um, methods to deal with my fibro pain and um, I quit my teaching job and I focused on my personal training and my coaching business and uh uh, in 2019, I went full-time with that. So that's been great. But it's been a lot of trial and error, and there's been a lot of ups and downs throughout the journey um, to get here. But now I am pain-free, and I don't take medication, and I manage everything through mindset and breath work and movements that my body likes and being mindful of the foods that I eat so that I can keep my pain down. And so I'm a huge advocate for pain-free living, but also um, listening to the body and having very inclusive practices in my business because I do coaching, pain management coaching, but I also do uh, personal training. So I'm very mindful of modifications. I don't, I don't think I do any movement or nor do my clients or even classes I teach we don't do typical movements because uh, I'll be like you know do you know what what I mean when I say a squat and people are like yeah okay we're not going to do that but there's going to be something that's similar so in your mind I just want you to kind of have that image but we're going to change pretty much everything about it and they're like okay why do you call it a squat I because that's the thing that you can 
comprehend like that's the connection that's that's made in your mind so um yeah modifications are really important and uh being inclusive is really important to me as far as any aspect of life so now i i've heard about fibromyalgia right fibromyalgia okay fibromyalgia but i don't know what it is can you tell me what it actually is yeah. So basically what it is, a condition where all of the receptors in your body that receive input, so think about temperature, light, um, feelings, any of the, the sensations that we receive, mm-hmm. the receptors in our body that receive that stimulus are heightened. Mm. They're very intense. And so with people that have fibromyalgia, so for example, for you, let's say, let's say you banged your hand on something, okay. and it, you know, you'd feel on the top of your hand, and go, oh, yeah, that kind of hurts, and then after probably maybe even twenty seconds, maybe even shorter amount of time, then it would be gone, like you wouldn't feel the pain at all. For people that have fibromyalgia, because you have heightened sensory receptors, me banging my hand, and it not even hard, just a light tap against the counter, that could send me into a huge pain flare and like my pain could be like 20 out of 10 and it could be it could last for hours so that's what it is there's there's this overstimulation and this oversensitization to stimulus and then that creates pain in the body um fibromyalgia is not an inflammatory condition so it's lumped in with arthritis but it's not inflammatory. It's also not degenerative or progressive like other arthritis. So it's kind of weird that it's in that system. It's more of an auto autoimmune um, issue. But with fibromyalgia comes uh, t- to be diagnosed, you have 18 points on the body that give extreme pain. So shoulders and neck is one of the main areas, but hips, knees, ankles chest so there's a bunch of buttocks those areas um and when i say they're painful so if you were to let's say take your thumb and just press on your hand mm-hmm. you'd be like okay i can that's fine right like it doesn't hurt and even if you press really hard it doesn't hurt you so right now i'm doing that i can still feel the pain okay in that spot like it's very intense for me so it might take a while for that to disappear um, so that that's basically what fiber is. This is a heightened condition. Okay. Um, Can you explain the impact of stress on the body? <laughs> yeah, sure. I do whole I do whole workshops on stress. So stress. So I'll try and break it down as easily as possible. Our body needs stress, right? We have good stress and 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 bad stress, and our body is designed to respond to stressful situations. And the way that it responds is it's going to either get put us in a, a protective mode, fl- fight or flight, or we're going to be in a euphoric mode. So if I'm stressed about, let's say, a wedding, I'm getting married and I'm stressed, but it's happiness. It's, it's positive stress. That's okay. But when I'm stressed, my example about work, then my body now is getting the message sent to it that there is a, a, a dangerous situation. There's a negative situation and we need to respond. And the way the body responds is the message is sent that there's stress, then the adrenal glands, which sit on top of the kidneys, there's, so we have two of them, they release cortisol. And cortisol is the stress hormone. And what that does is it actually tells the body to turn itself on because we're getting ready to for some kind of fight or some kind of danger or we got to run. So the blood flows to the limbs. So arms and legs will receive all the blood flow. 
because we might have to run or fight. And it goes away from the organs. And then when the stressful situation is over, cortisol is no longer released, the blood goes back to all the areas it needs to as it's in, in its regulatory state, and then we resume living. But what happens is we live in a chronic state condition, many of us. So we think that we're stressed. We think that something bad, I'll put in quotation marks, is going to happen, but it doesn't. But we're still sending the message to the body that there's stress. So then cortisol gets released, which is not good for us. And then it affects everything else. Blood pressure, the way that your heart functions, breathing, digestion, and pain. And so when you think about it, so remember I mentioned all the blood's going to go to the extremities, right? Arms and legs. So think about it like, um, like a sausage casing <laughs> or like a plastic bag, a Ziploc bag, right? You can only put so much in it and then it's going to explode, right? Our body, fortunately, will not explode like a Ziploc bag, but we're putting all the blood that's in here. So it's causing everything to expand. Well, I only have so much space in my body, like physically. So as it expands, it's filling up space that it doesn't actually have. So then it's causing pain. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So stress, our body responds to stress. And when we don't eliminate the stress or reduce our stressors and teach ourselves what's stressful and what's not stressful, our body just stays in chronic stress, which then causes chronic pain because of the inflammation that's attached to it. Does that make sense? It does. So what are some strategies that can help us reduce the stress? Right. So, <laughs> so number one, my number one strategy to help reduce stress is I want people to think about whether or not they're truly feeling stressed. And what I mean by that is people sometimes say, oh, I feel so stressed right now. And so stop yourself when that thought comes and really ask yourself, what is the emotion that you're feeling? Are you angry? Are you frustrated? Are you confused? Are you overwhelmed? What is the feeling that you actually are experiencing? Because it's probably in many cases, not stress. I find that even myself, we use the term stress for everything. And we're not really stressed. So for example, if um, my godchildren graduated from high school last week, and we were at their graduation ceremony, and I remember sitting there, and I'm like, oh my god, I feel so stressed. They're graduating, and they're going to move to Toronto, and to go to university. And my husband looked at me and goes, are you stressed? Or are you are you are you emotional? Are you sad? Are you worried? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm worried. <laughs> I'm worried about them moving to Toronto because they're leaving home. I feel sad because they're leaving and we're not going to see them all the time. So it's a different emotion, but I actually just attach the word stress, stress to it, which is not how I was feeling. So that's the first strategy I would say. Really identify what is the emotion. And then when you identify the emotion, you need to actually feel the emotion. And so many people like to deal with emotional things in a non-emotional way, in a logical way. In a, you know, if I feel overwhelmed and frustrated, I'm going to, and I'm talking about myself, I'm going to make a list of all the things I need to do today, and then I'm going to have a, an order and I'm going to prioritize them. And that makes me feel not overwhelmed. 
no, I need to feel the overwhelm. Like you need to actually feel the emotion. So whatever that, the way that it comes out in your body physically, allow that to happen. Because so, so for some people, when they're frustrated or they're confused or overwhelmed, they cry. So do that. Cry. If you feel frustrated and overwhelmed, allow the crying to come out, allow the emotion to come out, because then you've dealt with it and you've released it. And then you can actually go into action, into doing things. Does that make sense? That makes sense. I think it would be hard to do, but it makes sense. <laughs> it is for sure, because it's much easier to just go, well, I feel stressed, because then I don't have to do any emotional work. That's the, that's the piece that I think is the hardest for everybody. Mm -hmm. um is the emotional aspect of it and to actually feel the emotion because i think sometimes we're we're taught not to do that and told that it's not acceptable and I, i'm not saying you know cry in the middle of the street i mean obviously i'm just having a moment of frustration just give me a second just, oh, my groceries. No, but you know just to be mindful of that and and just even labeling the emotion for what it is might be really really helpful in actually reducing the stress that's one tip the second strategy that i like for reducing stress is identify whether your stressors are external or internal and what i mean by that is if they're external they are things that i don't have very much control over so the story I told about my work and the stress that was there, I, I can't change what my supervisor or superior tells me that I have to do. Mm -hmm. right? I, I can't just go, well, I'm not going to do that. So some of those stressors, I can't control other people. Even people, for example, listening to this, right? I can give the best information that I feel is helpful for your audience. And I'm putting 150% into this moment so that it's helpful. But in the end, some of the people that are going to listen to this or watch this will go, mm, yeah, I don't really like her. I don't like friends. She's not, she's not really for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, she yeah. did a great job, but they might go, yeah, she's not for me. I don't really like that. Or even people that, that listen to this might go, yeah, Lois is awesome, but I don't know if this is the podcast for me. I don't know if this, you, do you know what I mean? So oh, yeah, I get it external right so right. i can't control the external things so other people and other people's actions or reactions or their thoughts and opinions and their emotions even i can't control those are external things the internal ones are the ones i control so my emotions my thoughts my actions my behaviors um all of those things I have control over. So the pro so once we know whether I'm dealing with internal or external, then I can decide what I can change. If it's internal, I can change things. I can change my behavior or my reactions. If it's external things, I can't change other people. I can't change the bus schedule. I can't change the flight delays. Like I can't change any of those things, but people and I'm, I include myself in this, we get stressed and about these things and we feel, I think sometimes, well, if I just explain to Lois why she shouldn't do things this way and it would be better to do it the uh, this other way, then she'll get it and then she'll do it. Well, no, not at all because you're your own person and I can't change what you do or don't do. But we convince ourselves that we can and that's where the trick is with the external stressors is that often we think they're internal 
like kids, spouses, co-workers. I have no control over them. I like to think I do, <laughs> but I do not, right? So if you can actually identify those things, and if it's external, then you do do your part to help the outcome be what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. But really detach from trying to control other people because we can't. And, and that's probably the biggest stressor is relationships that people have. And really to recognize, I can't, I can't control what other people do. I really can't. They can do really stupid things and I can get really angry about it. And that's my choice to be angry about it. But I can't change what they do. So really identifying those two is really, really important. And then the third strategy that I would say is um, breathing. Oxygen is good. (laughs) Have you okay? Have you read the book Breath by James Nestor? You know, I've heard of it, but I have not read it yet. Okay, I'm halfway through. I started it this morning. Halfway through the book is very lots of you know for people that like the research and all that. There's a lot of sciencey, researchy stuff in there as well, and then some anecdotal stuff as well. So it's a really good read. Um, But yes, breathing is very important. You know, when we think about, so think about a moment when you feel stress. What happens to your body when you feel stress? When I feel stress, my right low back clenches up and I get a pain in my right low back. And as soon as that happens, I, I, and I know that's what my body does. I just go, oh, I'm stressed. Why am I? Why am I feeling? Why am I feeling stressed? Am I really stressed? And why is that happening? So be mindful of what's happening with your body because we all have a stress response. Some part of our body does something different when we feel stressed. When we think that we're in a stress state. So for me, right low back. So the easiest thing you can do with your breathing is. Now, physically, it should be possible, but depending on where it is, what's happening. So I put my hand on my right low back, and all I'm going to do is close my eyes, and I'm going to breathe. I'm going to inhale, and I'm going to exhale. And as I inhale, I'm going to think about relaxing, and as I exhale, I'm going to think about releasing. And that is just putting some mindfulness into that area to tell it that everything is okay and we're good we're not stressed so my teeth get tight so do i have to just do this yes your Go teeth oh, you clench your jaws mm-hmm. mm, yeah so i would do some massaging here just okay. along the jawline down in through the neck as well the vagus nerve is here it also affects inflammation and so just do some relaxation we have hundreds of thousands of receptors in our hands and our feet mm-hmm. And so, and they send messages to us and they receive messages. So that's why I'm saying touch that area. So yeah, yeah. just you're teaching the muscles that everything's okay. And, and this kind of touch is gentle uh-huh. and our body responds to that, right? Think about right. when you're an animal, same thing, right? Uh-huh. Your, your kids are upset. Sometimes you rub their head or their yeah. neck, right? Or their shoulder. Like you actually use tactile input same thing for you you're teaching your muscles to just relax they don't need to do any work so it it really does go a long way it sounds very simplistic but those are probably the big three that i would um, recommend people start with for dealing with stress they're more than enough and the external internal one will be a little frustrating when it starts (laughs) once you actually start to do it 
and like make a list and label them internal external and everything that's external just cross it off just cross it off i bet you cut your list of stressful things down by 50 percent okay. easily yeah 50 percent so, so then how are you managing your pain so i know that my body responds to the stress but i also know my body our bodies everybody's body responds to food okay. and what eats yeah acts everything so if your gut is healthy the rest of you is good if your gut is not healthy and if you're not eating the right foods then it can cause some trouble so the biggest thing that i would say is there are foods that are that are inflammatory they cause inflammation in the body there's lots of research um explaining this but, so the but frame yeah. those are the good foods <laughs> yeah i'm not talking about <laughs> it's a different that's a different session that's a different conversation i totally get you i yes i know my husband cannot stop buying potato chips yes uh. I, I, I eat them i'm not gonna lie but inflammatory foods gluten Dairy, sugar, soy, and corn. Those, those are the big. Those are the big ones. So people, when I say that to people, they think, "Oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die without gluten." Well, I can, I can attest to the fact that you will not die without gluten. I have been gluten free for over 25 years. So you will not die if you don't eat gluten. It's just hard to find gluten free food. I think it depends on where you are. Yeah, it depends on where you are, and and you know. See, this is, this is where the problem lies, Lois, is that if you are somebody who eats lots of things that are packaged, it all has been. It's a binding agent. It's a, it's a preservative. It, it's a thickener. It gives the manufacturers more stuff with more quantity with less quality of product. They don't have to put as much product in there because they bulk it up with wheat. Right. So if you really are buying things that are processed and that are in packages, yeah, you're going to have a hard time. But if you're, you know, eating fruits and vegetables and you, you can find lots of options. Um, the uh, industry has changed a lot. Gluten-free is awesome now. Mm -hmm. Gluten-free 25 years ago. So for me, when I started, I just didn't eat stuff. Like I didn't buy substitute, like I didn't buy, you know, different spaghetti noodles or different bread. I just didn't eat it. Because it was horrible what they had. Now they have a lot of, they've come quite a long way in gluten-free stuff. So that might be something that's irritating and causing pain in the body because it's causing inflammation. Uh, if people are thinking about getting rid of stuff and when I listed all those foods, you went, oh my God, that's everything that I eat. <laughs> my, salad. <laughs> my advice to you is why don't you eliminate sugar? Oh, that's the best one. I know. I know. Now, the thing is, we want it to be in moderation, too. Like, I'm not saying you can't ever eat sugar or that I never eat stuff. No, I don't. But the thing is, is that it's not in my body on a regular basis. So, when I have it, I only have a little bit. Whereas when you're, and, and this is really important about sugar. Sugar is worse than heroin. Oh, yeah. Addiction, way worse than heroin. So, Every time you have sugar, your body needs more sugar. And then it uses it, and then it wants more. So you're just constantly feeding that sort of demon, right? So my recommendation, this is what I tell my clients, you don't have to cut it out completely. You're, you're going to go for a maximum 
of 20 grams of sugar a day. That's it. Oh. So yeah. you're going to... It's good to know what's in what you're eating. Like like yogurt is a good example. People are like yogurt's really healthy. Sure, you can have yogurt. Like if you want yogurt, have yogurt. Buy Greek yogurt. Buy plain Greek yogurt. Add your own stuff because the yogurt that has the flavor in it already and the fruit in it, the amount of sugar that's in it is huge. Whereas if I just buy plain Greek yogurt, I can add whatever I want to it, and I'm still gonna have low sugar. Whereas when I'm buying it already created, right, with all the stuff in it, it's too high in sugar. So track your sugar and do 20 grams a day. And it will make you really, I think, it opens your eyes to where sugar is. Or if you're getting rid of gluten, it opens your eyes to where it actually is, right? And so it is a great, it's good to be aware of what you're eating, right? And what you're putting in your body because your body is responding to it. And I've had people that I've worked with and I said, just seven days, let's do a detox for seven days. And when I mean detox, I mean cut out sugar. Like that's, yeah. that's what I'm doing with them. And and I find when I go for a period without sugar, that when I taste another piece of sugar, it doesn't taste good. It's different, right? Your body changes. It's like, like I don't eat a lot of salt. Right, I have Himalayan salt that I add to things, but I don't have a lot of salted stuff. I don't buy a lot of things that are processed, so there's not a lot of salt in my diet, right? Yeah. But then when I have something, and my husband's the same because when since he met me, he's also gluten free. Okay. Because our house is gluten free, yeah. and and so we don't when we eat something like when he eats gluten, mm -hmm. like four days, man, he's yeah. in and he's constipated and he doesn't feel good and I'm like because you ate gluten he goes no no that can't be it and now after you know 15 years I think it's because I ate gluten I'm like yeah and same with salt like you don't eat it so when you have it you're like oh that's salty like peanut butter mm. peanut butter has a lot of salt in it yeah but I buy just not like just peanuts right so it's natural and then when I go somewhere and maybe someone has something with peanut, I'm like, is there peanut butter in this? Like, I'm like, all I taste is salt. So it's <laughs> you're very heightened to what you're actually ingesting and tasting, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. But so, it is important, yeah. Why do you think people are resistant to making changes, even though they know these changes will help them? It's a good question. Um, I've thought about this a lot, especially with people that I work with and even myself, right? Yeah. I think people, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, I think that they have this idea that they have to do everything perfectly or they can't do it at all. Hmm. And I think that's part of it. Okay. Because, and so what I would say to that is it doesn't have to be perfect. Like, don't, you don't have to not eat sugar ever, but reduce how much you're eating. You don't have to say, okay, I'm not going to stress about anything because it's very difficult to do. Okay, well, let, let's let's identify the feeling. Let's identify if it's external and I have any control over it or not. So kind of look at it in a different way, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So one, you don't have to be perfect. And I think sometimes people think that. Number two, there's no support system. And I see this a lot with people. So I work primarily with women. I do have some male clients, but primarily women. And a lot of them, their majority are in their mid to late 40s and they want to make changes. Their kids have left home. They're, you know, they're realizing they've put themselves last and they, now they know it's important to take care of themselves. So they want to make these changes. But in their home, their partners 
and or family members are not, they're not opposed to it, but they're not doing it with them. Okay. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, that so, makes a big difference. Right? And so I'm trying to eat healthy. We're trying to do all the right things, but my partner is like, I'm not doing that with you. Yeah. You can do it. Like, it's fine. Like, whatever you want. I support, I support you, but I'm not doing it with you. And well, so it's I'm very... I'm going to eat my ice cream. <laughs> right, exactly. So it's really yeah. difficult when you're trying to make these changes and you have people that are like, oh, that's so good. Good for you, Lois. I'm so glad you're doing this. Are you going to join me? No, 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 no. You, you have all the gluten-free stuff, but I'm going to eat the gluten. You just go ahead. And it's really difficult because there is no support system. So find yourself um, a support network. And I would say, and I say this to everybody, so I'm going to say it now, be a little bit sneaky about it with your partner to get them on board. And what I mean by that is you don't have to overhaul everything for that, that person that doesn't want to follow the gluten-free stuff. Just a little bit here and there. Just a little bit here and there. So maybe not as many meals that you have spaghetti. Let's swap it out for rice or quinoa or something else, right? Zucchini noodles maybe or something different, okay? And, and just modify it that way. Um, dessert, if people eat a lot of dessert, maybe you're going to have a dessert that has a little bit of fruit with it. So you're not just having just the sugary stuff, but you've got a little bit of fruit to add to it. So try little things there. And when the people that are in your life kind of realize that, oh, gluten-free is not so bad. Because I serve gluten-free to everybody and nobody knows. Yeah. Even people that don't know that I'm... Every time people come and I'll, we'll serve a meal and always, is this gluten-free? And I'm like, yeah. It's Are you sure? Yeah. Positive. Because they're surprised. Because it used to be horrible. So support network is, is really important. And then I'd say the final reason that people um, don't, they tolerate these things and don't make these changes is that we don't like change. We like things to stay the same. We're conditioned to keep things the way that they are. That's just how we're conditioned society. Keep things the way they are. Don't rock the boat. Don't make too many changes. Don't push against the grain. You know what I mean? Like, do it this way. And when someone does something a little bit different, people don't like that. And we don't like that because then we get the resistance, right? So it's right. kind of like, you know, do you know the story about the crabs in the bucket? Do you know uh, the story? No. Okay. So if you put a bunch of crabs in a bucket, right, and one of the crabs tries to climb up the side of the bucket to get out, all of the other crabs pull him back. They will always pull that one back because that's not where we should be. We should be in the bucket. So think about us like crabs in the bucket. So when one of us is trying to get out and go, I don't want to eat gluten. I want to be less stressed. Everybody else is like, no, 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 We need to be stressed and eat the gluten. And we pull you back in. So we don't really like the change. So don't be the crab that's stuck in the bucket. Be the crab that gets freedom, right? <laughs> and gets out. I'm going like, to get free crab. <laughs> be a free crab. And be a crab that helps your friends. Like, give, yeah. that, give that girl a boost up the butt. Like, give her a little hiney boost so she can go over the edge of the bucket. Don't just yeah. pull her down by her legs, right? So we, we really are resistant to change, but I think it's because we are conditioned to not necessarily make the changes because it's comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable where I am. I'm comfortable not worrying about my food that I'm eating. I know my, I know my stress patterns, I know how I manage my stress. So if I change that, then I have to change all of my strategies. Well, that's not helpful. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like, that's not comfortable. 
So that's that's the other reason. People just want to be comfortable. And the thing with comfort is then we don't ever make changes, right? Because we're not trying to modify where we are to move forward. Um, and then the last thing is, like I said, people want it to be this big, huge thing. And it doesn't have to be a big thing. Pick one little thing that you want to change and focus on that and 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 sustain that right rather than trying a whole bunch of different things that you're never going to sustain does that make sense that makes a lot of sense oh great so how can people find you people can find me on instagram fran garten pain coach okay. uh, hang out there and i'm happy to connect with people and you know if they have questions or anything send me a message i'm here to help people be happy and healthy and live pain-free and uh, find ways that they can do that that don't that aren't difficult mm -hmm. that are easy to implement and easy to sustain great well thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it and just the great suggestions and giant builders make sure you reach out to fran to help you with your pain thank, thank you, you so much yeah, thank you Thank you for listening. This has been The Giant Builders with Lois Wyant.